podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Villa View. It's time for the Luke Live Lounge in association with Luke Roper, as always. Chris Dolan and myself hosting, and today we're joined by, I was going to say a very special guest, but it's just a guest. It's Greg <laughs> Evans from, from The Athletic and the world-renowned 1874 podcast. A bit weird for me, this tonight, because it's like <laughs> two worlds colliding. It's like your wife and your mistress meeting and, and being, on, being at the same event. It's, it, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? But Greg, happy to have you on. Hello, Daniel. I'm just trying to work out whether I'm your wife or I'm your mistress. Which which one am I? I don't, you know, I've said it and I instantly regret it. And I'm <laughs> not sure I want either of you as a wife or a mistress, to be honest. But how have you been? You've been good since I last spoke to you a few days yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I've been good. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, busy old week, really. Strange, strange week, isn't it? You know, going back into lockdown. Um, not something obviously any of us wanted, and uh, just another month of this. But no, I'm all good. I think I'm 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 keeping going. The football's keeping me going. Excellent stuff. And obviously, we'll talk to Greg in a bit about the fact that he actually is at games because it's quite rare. In fact, every guest I say it's rare. The guest we had on last week, Ian Taylor, he gets to go to the games. And the guest we've got on this week, Greg, he gets to go to the games as well. So it's just Dolan and myself on the Villa View that don't actually get to att- attend football matches. Dolan, you good? I'm all right, yeah, I'm tired. I'm half asleep here, I'm absolutely knackered. But I'll, oh. uh, I'll, I'll ply on for the love of the Villa View and the love of the Villa Faithful. <laughs> I no, mean, I'm try, right. try, try not to be too enthusiastic about it, Dolan. I'm all right. Bit, still a bit pissed off after Sunday, you know. Um, still? Yeah, I mean, we'll come to it, but yeah, just just a bit. Yeah, it's just those two defeats have really wind me up. So um, yeah. I've been uh, I've been ignoring all things Villa over the last week because uh, I just don't want to get it any more wound up about it. So um, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, cracking oh, on. Excellent. I'm glad, I'm glad to have, glad to have you on in, in such a good mood. I did actually ask for some. Uh, some positive takes on Twitter earlier on in the week. So so we had a few. So I'm going to start with them and try and cheer Dolan up. So that the first one is Dan Reynolds, friend of the channel. Five out of the last seven goals we've conceded have been worldies. That won't happen every week. We'll have lapses of concentration and things we'll need to improve throughout the season as we're a work in progress. But we can now finally compete with any team in the league. We won't start with miserable Dolan. But Greg, would you agree with that sentiment? Uh, well, yeah, I hope so. You know, I hope I, I like the positivity there from um, from him, and and I, and I hope certainly hope it goes that way. I was interesting, really. I was looking at some of the stats uh, yesterday, and I think Villa have conceded the most goals from outside the box, or scored really? the most goals from outside the box. Can't remember which one it was. Now you've confused me, but one of the <laughs> two, which is a uh, you know, very unusual. You know, we don't always see too many now, do we, from outside the box? But. Um, <sighs> I'm confused. Was it? Was it? Was it in it or out? out? It must have been. Yeah, no, it was, it was scoring outside, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was four. It was four. Um, yeah, good start for me. Yeah, yeah, solid, solid. <laughs> Dolan, this is one for you because this is what what made me think of it almost instantly. Kevin Hughes says everyone would have been happy with four wins from six as a start if we'd beaten Leeds and Southampton but lost to Liverpool and Leicester. No one bats an eyelid. We've lapsed back into the bad habit of going from one nil to three nil quite quickly. The pragmatic game management still a priority. So I'm just going to go back to that first bit because of what you said about being pissed off at the start. 
if we'd have beat Leeds and Southampton and lost to Liverpool and Leicester, would you you have been happier? Well, that's exactly how, before yeah. you before he he said that. I, I, that's exactly how, how I've been trying to um, break it down in, in my thoughts because if you know you, you look back and at um, at, at any at any season, you always look back and look at the defeats and, and look at where you've picked up and lost points. And I think, as you say, if we had of uh, you know realistically, we, we we probably would have thought we would have got beat by both Liverpool and Leicester. Um, we both win those games and then we lose our next two home games against Southampton and Leeds, um, who we would have thought we would have at least got something from. So I suppose in a way it's kind of balanced itself out. Um, but you look below us and you know there's still a lot of big teams below us yeah. that just do not seem to wanna to wanna pick up points. And um it's just it's a very bizarre season. It seems to be settling down. It's settling down a little bit in terms of the kind of crazy scorelines, but um but there's some teams just below us that just do not seem to want to pick up points in some big teams. And um, I just think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting how Austin and Everton have kind of very much been aligned. You know, you look at the starts we've had, it's been pretty yeah. much identical. And uh, but as, as, as somebody else tweeted on Sunday um, where well, I think we go second um, if we win our game in hand. So it isn't all, it isn't all doom and gloom. But then again, the game in hand's against Man City. Um, so you, you never really take it for granted. But no, it's been a good, it's been a great start, but... Um, so are you miserable? Because I just worry that even when we were winning, I was always kind of, you know, trying to remain relatively sort of um, kind of level-headed. And, and we had touched on the show uh, before about the lack of depth and the lack of, of a plan B, um, the lack of a, of a goal scorer. And I just think when we go behind... And we need to, to 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 tweak our system or tweak our style in in the game that maybe we're a little bit too one dimensional. We don't have we don't have another outlet, uh, you know, another um, another goal scorer or, or or a game changer that can come on and, and 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 change the game like most of the top squads do in in the league. So I just worry that you know we are looking quite short and we probably are gonna. Um, we are going to pick up injuries and we've only really got maybe 12 or 13 players that can really come in and make a difference. I still don't think that's enough. No, I mean, Greg, the, 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 my main takeaway and something that concerns me a little bit so far is that obviously we've gone eight games unbeaten. Across those eight games, we didn't concede first. As soon as we do concede first, we do, <clears> we do seem to have this habit of, and you say it's a habit, but obviously it hasn't happened for eight games, but in the last games that we have fallen behind, we do then go on to concede two and three and four in this case as well, relatively quickly. Is that a concern? And from someone who's been at the games and can probably see the overall shape of the team a bit better than we can on TV, do you think there's a reason for it? Yeah, I think I think the Leeds game was a bit of a one-off. You can almost write the Leeds game off in the same way that you can write the Liverpool game off. You know, that was a freak result. As exciting yeah. and exhilarating as it was, it was a freak result. And we're going to look back on that in decades to come and talk about it for so long. But we were always going to say it was just a crazy day. Um, I feel a little bit like the, like that was uh, that was with the Leeds game as well. The first half, you know, there was a couple of chances either side and then Leeds went and took the chances in the second half. Um, with Southampton, it was very worrying. Yeah, I mean, I do think the 4-3 scoreline flattered Villa in the end. Feel like it wasn't really a four-three, uh, you know, one-goal margin defeat. It felt like a little bit heavier than that, um, and it was a concern that the goals kept going, 
kept going in so quickly. I mean, you can look at it two ways. Southampton had four shots on target, scored their, uh, you know, scored all four goals, a couple of free kicks. So, you know, are you saying that's a bit of a freak result as well? And, you know, freak, yeah. freak performance almost from Southampton. But it's interesting because the Leeds game actually wasn't at, um, and I watched it uh, over a Zoom call with, with Stylian Petrov and, he said something to me about fans not being in the stadium. Um, he, he thinks that, he said, basically, if you ask any professional um, footballer, when they play 11 versus 11 in a training game, he says more often than not, one team will like have 60, 65 minutes of control and, and, and almost put the game to bed. He said that happens quite a lot. And okay. so it's hard when a team goes 4-0 down and you haven't got the whole end pulling that team apart and and almost stopping that team conceding another one. I mean, I might be contradicting myself a little bit because Villa scored three and got three back and, you know, it was almost close. And, and, and you know, you speak to the players and I spoke to Dean Smith after and he firmly believed that if there was five more minutes in that game that, that, that Villa had gone and got the equaliser. But um, I think, Dan, to be honest, maybe just jumping to conclusions a little bit too soon. I think the fact that yeah, Villa have gone behind um, and then, you know, conceded more rather than coming back. But I think in the Premier League, it's really hard, isn't it, to just score two goals? You know, it's it, it's difficult to score two goals. And if you go one down, you have to score two goals to go and win the game, as simple as that sounds. So I just think it's quite tough in the Premier League. And, you know, Villa, as much as we don't like to think it, are a relatively new Premier League team after the transformation. Yeah, I mean, Southampton have been around the Premier League for, for a long time now, haven't they, as well? And, that, and they look like they're getting back to how they were for their first few years in the, in the Premier League, where they built really solid foundations and it didn't manage, matter what players left, what manager came in, they're in a good place. They, they've come off the back of a few bad years, but they've got it right now with House and Hootl as well. So you think of Villa-Southampton, you think of Villa as being the bigger Premier League team, but the reality is Southampton have been in this league a long time now. Villa haven't. Dolan, I just wanted to talk to you about, about shape. A little bit. You're talking about about that plan B and, and not having a plan B. What do you think he could have done in the game to, to change it? Well, not a lot because we didn't really have the options there. I mean, um, I think I, I just worry that teams might might work us out. I think the reason why Leicester give us so much respect was because we just come off the back of a seven-two um, trash in Liverpool, and I think maybe they were a little bit worried. Um, I think uh, I think Leeds kind of um, rip, rip the rule book up and just thought, well, we're going to play the way we want to play against whoever, whoever the opposition is. And, um, and uh, you know, I think teams might begin to, to work us out. Um, you know, that's the thing. I think Dean Smith looks around at the bench and doesn't really see what he, you know, doesn't really see much to bring on. I mean, I think a game of so before, I think Hurahan's been very unlucky not to play a single minute of football since Fulham. I think that's that's really, really bizarre. I think Barkley probably needs a bit of a, a rest. Even, you know, I think he could have done with being taken off um towards the end of the game. I think with with Connor Hurahan, you're all, you're always you're always gonna have that danger from from set pieces. So you look at a plan B and you think, well, you know, what worked for us so well at the, at the end of last season, we, we, we seem to have a plan of, you know, give Jack the ball, Jack then, you know, draws draws a foul, Hurahan steps over, whips a ball in and and, um, and we score from a set piece and it was effective at the end of the last season and uh, it was effective at the start of this season. Um, you look at the Fulham goal, um, the the Mings, Mings third, you know, so I think really Hurahan's probably the only sort of 
weapon that we could bring on that that, that would change the game. Um, thought Trezeguet came on and, and did well. Um, I thought he came on and did really well. Yeah, actually. he played really well. Um, played really well and, and had chances. Um, I, I don't know. Do we know the update on on the injury for Traore? Do we know? Do we know what? What, 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 Greg, what did, did Dean Smith say? No, not, not, not yet, darling. We, we, yeah, Dean, Dean Smith's press conference in the morning, in Friday morning. So right. we'll hopefully know a little bit more. But the early indications where it's not as serious as, you know, it's just, it's a groin injury, but they're waiting to find out the severity of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, always I mean, one of them ones when there's no one near, with no one anywhere near someone and they can yeah. fall out and sit down on the floor. You're probably looking at a couple of weeks, I'd say. So I wouldn't expect to see him on Sunday at all. But, Greg, were you surprised Davis didn't come on? Because we have one thing we can do is we could pull Jack into the middle if we're chasing a game. We could move Watkins out to the left. He's played there loads of times in his career. And you could bring Keenan on, which gives you a bit of a focal point. At times, you're surprised we haven't seen that in the, the last couple of games when we've been behind. Because I think you said Petrov was couldn't believe Davis didn't come on against Leeds. Yeah, that was another thing Stan was saying. Um, he really likes Keenan, Keenan Davis. I th- you know, I think he's worked with him. Um, he'd have been a, he'd have been around when he was. Uh, visiting Body Heath regularly, you know, and, and doing a little bit of coaching and, and giving advice to the youngsters. So he really likes Davis and, and and thinks that he could could do a job for Villa. I think maybe we haven't seen him. Uh, he missed a game through injury, and then the game where he come back probably wasn't hundred percent, and and was only sort of on the bench for emergencies. Really, I think we probably should have seen him against Southampton, to be honest. Um, the difficulty you've got with Davis, and, and I am his biggest fan. You know, I, I don't like to talk down about him. It's just the fact that he's never he's never had a run of games as a professional scoring goals, has he? So you no. can't turn to him and just expect him to come on and get that get a goal because that he's never really done that in his career. Um, what he does do is obviously hold the ball up really well and bring others into play and 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 ruffle defenders up a little bit. And I think Vestergaard needed that. I think he had it quite easy almost with Watkins. And, um, it, you know, it was really impressive him actually how he defended her. Uh, and he just needed ruffling up a little bit. And, and certainly the Leeds back line did as well. Do you think Dolan at some point these three games are going to stop now? Because you, you've sp- spoke about things slowing down, but there is a load of funny things going on. Like, you think of James Ward-Prowse has been a good free kick taker, and he is a good free kick taker. Obviously, he's put two away against us. But those two free kicks were 25% of his career free kick goals, so it's not as if he's consistently banged them in mm. over the years. He's a good, he's a good set-piece taker, but to, to get done twice is rare, and then Ings bangs one in from 30 yards as well. Southampton have had four shots on target. They've all gone in. So on another day, you look at those statistics of that game as well. If you didn't know what the score was, you'd look at those stats and you'd say, oh, Villa have done well there. But the reality is Villa found themselves 4-0 down. So it is, these funny things do keep happening, don't they? Conversion conversion in, in any walk of life, business, sport, conversion is key. You know? And if you convert your chances, um, convert your customers into sales, whatever it may be, then you're going to... You're going to make a profit, and you're and you're going to get three points and be successful. So for me, you know, it's the uh, conversion rate is massive. Um, four shots on target, four goals. You you have to say, well, fair play because, you know, clearly clearly got you know got talent. I mean, I've always been a fan of of War Price. I think he's an absolute quality quality footballer, and um, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get snapped up by by, by a big four um, or a big six club um, uh, next season. There's actually. There's a video of him, I think, on Soccer AM doing with, with Jimmy Bullard doing set pieces, um, which is really interesting. I think maybe two or three years ago. Um I, I think the guy's I think the guy's absolute quality. And um 
you know, we were WhatsApping during the game and, and he said, but, you know, you said the, the, this is going to go top ins, uh, you called it, you know, and um, it was, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty emphatic. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I just, I just think our biggest, our biggest Achilles heel is, is our lack of goal scores at the football club. And, and I, I just, I'm still, Stunned. I'm still absolutely stunned that we didn't go in for another striker. I just cannot get my head around that. Why we wouldn't have at least two or three goal scorers at the football club? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, people have said that Traore can play up top. Um, people talk about Wesley, but Wesley's not going to be back for for months and months and months. You know, Keaton Davis isn't a goal scorer. Um, he's very injury prone. Uh, and Watkins is it's his debut season in the Premier League, and and you know. I think it's quite unfair to um, to expect everything to come through him, and I just think we're lacking massively in in the squad, and and, um, and you know it's it's but it is hard to, it's hard to be critical of the club, and it's hard to be critical of of the manager and the players because we've you know what we've done since the tail end of the last season has been remarkable, um, and this isn't me just having a, having a having a pop after a couple of bad results. This is something that's been. You know, in my thoughts, even as I said, oh, when we were we spoke, when we, we spoke when about we it, winning, when we yeah, and when we were winning four in a trot, and I heard you and Greg talk about it as well in the podcast. I think after we be left, I think you 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 raised the, the the point about 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 a lack of a, a lack of strikers and, and a lack of a of a plan B, and uh, I just think I just think the Premier League's you know there's so much there's so much that um, in depth. Uh, scouting and knowledge that goes in from other clubs. I just think we're going to be worked out possibly, and we might be, we might become a bit of an easy touch if, if teams work us out and we don't have a, a plan B or, or, or have a trick up our sleeves. I'm just thinking like what you're saying about the, the lack of goal scorers at the club, though. We, I think in terms of the across the pitch, I think we've got people that will score goals. Mings has already scored a couple at centre back this season. I think the midfielders, McGinn, Grealish, Barkley, that they're, they're, they're all good for a goal. Trezor guy gets him some good positions. So there's goals, I think, spread out across the team. But if you take Danny Ings out, out, out of Southampton, the other strikers that they've got at the club, I wouldn't say any of them a natural goal scorer. You think of Shay Adams, you think of Shane Long, Oberfemi, I think they were the striker. None of them are really prolific goal scorers. So unless you're one of the yeah, big but, six, but you don't have you don't have those options of loads of goal scorers. It's just not I don't think it's possible. Admittedly, you'd think there might be one more at the club, and I think I think that is what we're missing. But but you know what I mean? Who it's hard to get someone in because we've spent twenty eight million on Watkins to be a central striker. Yeah. It's hard to then get someone else in who's going to think oh, I'm going to be on the bench most weeks who is a goal scorer do you see what I'm saying yeah 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 no definitely definitely Greg is there anybody sort of uh, around the club that's that's catching the attention of of, um, of Dean Smith um, I know we've got Louis Barry that we we were hoping we would we would see um, even in pre-season we, we hope we'd uh, get a glimpse because he's obviously come with such a massive reputation but is there anybody knocking around the under 23s that 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 may be given a a chance like like Ramsey has, you know, have you heard, have you heard of it? No, I mean, no, not really. The the under-23s are, are quite a young group now, aren't they? It's, it's quite rare, really, that you see sort of 16, 17-year-olds um, in an under-23 group. I mean, they're almost an under-18 team playing in an under-23 yeah. group. So I think they're kind of looking at it as building them up for a, a season, maybe two seasons, and then having them ready for first-team season, possibly at the back end of, of next year, really. I think it's a little too soon to expect Louis Barry to come through. Um, 
Karnic at Wemke, he, he's obviously progressing very nicely in the centre of midfield, and um, and, uh, and 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 the two the two Ramsey. So Jacob is Jacob Ramsey is the the standout candidate at the moment. You know, he's the the nineteenth or twentieth man um, in terms of getting into that squad. Anwar El Ghazi is the, obviously the other option. Sitting watching the the game from the corner flag he was at, at Villa Park on. Uh, um, last week so you know it shows that he can't get near the, the squad at the moment either so no nobody coming through but Villa expected that you know they knew that there wasn't anybody coming through the club really for, for a few years now you know the the the, the under 23 setup hasn't really been working as well as it should have and they've had to almost start a real fresh and sort of you know they're expecting um, the real gains to come in the next few years rather than immediately yeah. Yeah, yeah, and because even if you look at if you look at like Vasilev and, and we talk about mm. goal scores, you know, Davis and Vasilev, who, who were the last two strikers to come through the club, really aren't aren't goal scorers. They're not. I mean, Vasilev, I don't believe he scored a goal yet for Burton um, since he's been on, on on loan there. So no, these these you know, yeah, I mean, the, any striker needs to have the you know they need to be confident to score goals, obviously, and they need to have the the record of doing it somewhere. So, you know, Keenan Davies ideally would have gone out and had a loan spell at some point in League One or the Championship and gone and scored a hat full of goals and come back to Villa uh, and then use that to his advantage. Sadly for him, he, he's not really got anything to look back on and think, well, oh yeah, do you remember in 2018 when I had that run of 10, 10 goals in, in 15, 20 games? He's not had that. And that's unfortunate for him because... Um, you know he's had injuries that have that have set him back, and and at times Villa have have not been you know allowed. They just couldn't get rid of him on loan yeah. because they needed him. So it's been a tough old one. And yeah, say Vasilev's still developing himself as well. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one in a few years' time because let's say we're not in a relegation battle this season, we consolidate another year in the in the Premier League. We probably then only need to get maybe two or three really good players in 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 the next summer instead of having to get. T- tons in like we did a year ago and then five or six like we did this summer so in the next couple of years you're only having to bring in a few players permanently and then you've got a high quality of young players who've got good experience in the under 23s we actually could be in, in, in a really good place and I, I feel like in a few years time when we've got those players coming through when we're only going to have to be buying two or three players because we've consolidated I think Villa will be in a great place lads that, that, look, that's certainly the aim. That's certainly what Mark Harrison, the academy uh, director, and and obviously Chief, uh, Christian Perzo, the chief executive, wants. You know, they know that if they can get that academy going, if they can get it flourishing and producing players, it's not only going to make the money if they if they sell on players from from the academy in the future. It's also going to save them money by by. Um, you know, not having to go and buy those players because if you've got a talented 17-year-old coming through who you know, you know, a 17-year-old left-back who's coming through who you know in two years' time is going to have a real chance of of progressing, you don't have to go and buy that 24-year-old left-back for £10, £15 million pound now because you've already got two at the club in, in Matt Target and, and Neil Taylor and you know that that 17-year-old uh, in a couple of years' time might just be ready for it. So that's what they want. You know, they want... Five or six youngsters, you know, in a bunch that that are going to be there kicking around and pushing for the first team. And I suppose that's what they haven't had in the last few years. Hence, why we have had to go out and spend big money on sometimes on sometimes squad players because we brought in so many last season. It was obvious that some were always going to be squad players. You look at spending 
not a dig at Nakamba at all, but 10 million on Nakamba or whatever it was. He played a lot of games last season. This season, he's a squad player. In a few years' time, you want that, instead of going to spend 10 million pounds on someone who's going to be a squad player, you yeah, might have totally. Chuck Kumika ready to come in. So it's interesting. I think we really will be in a good place. Now, I believe our producer's got the post lockdown league table ready to fire up and uh, put on the screen. So I just wanted to have a look at it because. I just it's want to look be Southampton at... right up there, I'd say. Yeah. Southampton's got to be second or third. There we go. What's this? Is that right? Oh, you tell you what, producers killed us there. That can't be right. Southampton. Southampton aren't going to be 14th. I wouldn't. Do I think it. that's pre lockdown, isn't it? Yeah. Is this pre lockdown? No, we don't <clears> want that, producer. I was going to say, I didn't yeah, even know. It's pre lockdown when Villa were struggling. We want, we want post lockdown. Lads, I think that's the league after 20, after 29 games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right. <laughs> Bear with us, and it may have come up on the screen at some point. I just wanted to, to look at where we're at because. The start we've had to the season, obviously we're not going to win the league, but at the start we were all looking at it and getting carried away. No, no, you, no, no, you were no, no, no. getting carried away and I was like, no, 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 not what happened. You were losing the plot. And then we lose a couple of games and and Dolan's at the end of his tether. So if you look at actually <laughs> what we've done post that day, it probably gives us a realistic expectation of around the kind of position that we're going to be going to be looking at this season. But the producer's absolutely killed me because he's asked me if I wanted to use it and now he can't find it to, to, to put on the screen. <laughs> so I just, we'll, have to go, go, we'll have to go on to talk about something else. I want to talk about shape a little bit, Greg, because I heard Dean Smith talking about playing a 4-3-3 and we've been playing Barkley and McGinnis free eights. But the Liverpool game and the Leicester game that we won, we changed system and McGinn was sitting next to Louise and Barkley was playing as a, as a 10. So we've changed back to 4-3-3 by, by the sounds of things. Louise hasn't got that man next to him and suddenly we're, we're shipping goals. Do you, do you think that's a symptom of, of why we've suddenly conceded seven goals across two games? Mm, yeah, possibly. I mean, they changed it against Leicester as well. Didn't quite early into the game. I think, you know, he went sort of man for man because he felt that um, they were getting through Villa too quickly uh, and too easily, you know, as you could see. But I don't necessarily think it's about tactics or your formations almost. I just think that... You know, if Villa go out there and do the jobs to, to the best of their abilities, every single individual player, they'll go and get the job done. And just feel over the two games that Leeds and, and, and Southampton were just generally better than them. You know, in, in you know 11 versus 11, they were just better than them. And, and that's it sounds very simple, but sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not always about the shape or the setup or... You know, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking not to, I think, as I say, as I said at the start, I think Leeds is a bit of a write-off. They just got it all right on the day and there was nothing really that Villa could do to stop them. It was just one of those performances, just like Liverpool could do, could do nothing to stop Villa. You know, they got everything right and just punished them. I think the Southampton game is a little bit different. I thought Villa were trying to um, contain Southampton a little bit too much at the start of the game, you know, I was listening to Tyrone Mings and he was he was telling, you know, Ollie Watkins when and where to press. Um he was he was giving Barkley instructions of when to sit deep and when to go and push on the defenders. Um the same to Jack and 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 and, and McGinn almost as well at some point, even though McGinn was sitting a little bit deeper. And it almost felt like um they were just trying to contain them a little bit too much and you just thought get on the ball and go and express yourselves a little bit more. And then that might be the difference, but it was just too late before it even got started. 
Yeah, because that's obviously something we wouldn't know is that watching on TV, all those instructions that, that, that Mings is dishing out. It feels like Mings has got a lot of responsibility on, it, on his shoulders there. He's telling every individual player when they should be when they should be pressing. Is that is that a normal thing that happens? Um, it's quite incredible, really. I mean, honestly, I didn't know that that, that Tyrone was so um, so vocal on the pitch because when the supporters are in the stadium, you can only hear sort of like shouts and screams. You can't hear the... Um, you know the the step by step directions that 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 the team are going through, and um, it was something very early on into into the the restart. And I noticed that Horahan was very vocal as well. Somebody who I didn't expect to be. Um, you know, Jack he, he's occasionally he, he gets gets involved when he needs to, but he's relatively quiet. You know, he's more of a performance leader rather than a vocal leader. But yeah. just going back to Mings, I mean, it, it's it's incredible, really. Yeah, he, you know. If, when I watch the England games now and he's playing, I've I can hear his voice, um, and I, I suppose the people that haven't been to the game uh, and don't know that you know his directions because he's he's giving the same orders sometimes um, to the England players as he is to the uh, to the Villa players, and it's, it's interesting really. But yeah, I mean he's very much the on-field leader, you know, the vocal leader. He'll pull everybody together. And there was a moment during the Southampton game and I don't know if he was talking to a Villa player or a Southampton player, but um, someone was giving the referee a, fa- a fair bit of stick, which I couldn't hear what they were saying from my from my position in the press box. But um, Mings was, was straight up to, you know, shouting over, you can't speak to the referee like that sort of thing. So um, that's, that's how much he gets involved during the game. It's good to see really, because... There aren't too many like him, you know. Virgil Van Dijk is very much very similar, um, very vocal throughout the game and, and lead uh, pulling the the team in, in in the direction that they need to go. And it's it's an old school trait almost, isn't it? It's it's something that something that you kind kind of lost a little bit. Yeah, you just worry about him perhaps having to concentrate on on too much. In, in some ways, you want him concentrating on on defending, not having to not having to bark out orders to to Watkins about when he should press way up the pitch you kind of want Mings to be focusing on on, on the defensive shape it just seems a, a bit weird but it's good to hear it's good to hear the England side of things because he isn't an established player England, uh, England at all so it just shows that he doesn't mind mixing it in there either it just shows that the kind of character that he is we've touched on Jack a little bit Dolan he kind of went a little bit unnoticed after the post-match party it's probably the first time ever we haven't really waxed lyrical about him but if, if you watch it back he had another incredible game and his numbers so far this season are, are outstanding I think he's Already scored. He scored four goals. I think. I think he got eight across last season. So he's well on his way to getting double figures this season. And his productivity in the championship was something that was used against him a little bit now. But in terms of numbers and output now, his assistant goal totals are up there with any other midfielder in the league. Yeah, I think it's about four, four goals, six assists. Yeah, incredible. I think now he is. Well, he's by far the best. Currently, the best. Uh, attack midfielder in the Premier League, form wise, um, you know if you if you if you're going to go by stats, then he's probably one of the most informed informed attacking midfielders in Europe. Um, but you just you're just seeing these levels, these levels like it's it's frightening. It really is frightening. Um, you don't know where they come from, but he just seems to get better and better. Um, you know, uh, last season he was he was incredible in a very, very poor team. And this season, again, he's just picked up where he's left off. Um, you know, just just quite frankly, you know, unbelievable to watch. And as I've said before, it's like 
it's, it's a little bit embarrassing having him on, at, at the football club because he's just too he's just too good and and um, but you know like that's we're we're blessed that, that he's a Villa fan and a, and a Villa boy through and through and, and you know I don't think uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of players have that that love you know there's only there's only a select few in, in world football that really really love and, and, and you know their football club and I think that's quite old school as well like if you look at people like Carragher and, and um, Gerard and Scholes you know obviously Neville there's a few, a few players of the of the kind of early to, to mid 2000s that were very loyal to their football clubs and over the last maybe five to ten years there's not been much loyalty but I think Jack's kind of um, got that old school sort of mentality when it comes to to, to Aston Villa and honestly he's um He's incredible, absolutely incredible. Because we're talking about him being an attacking midfield player, because essentially that's what he is. He's playing from the left, but he drifts in, and he, he's an attacking midfielder. He, he's not a forward, but he's again, he's in the England squad today, Greg, and he's he's listed as a forward. And Southgate seems to be judging him against those those forward players. What do, what do you make of the of the England thing now? Because there's three games coming up. But as a Villa fan, I, I want him to be playing for England. But I worry across those three games that it will be a joke like last time and I won't, I won't see a lot of him. But what would you make of all that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Southgate's clearly got his views on him. Um, the, the one the one take I, I was I was thinking after the Southampton game, I mean, if, South, if, if, if Southgate had watched that game, um, you know, a clever manager would have thought, well, Jack Grealish gets fouled more often than anybody. James Ward-Prowse has got a very good free kick on him. How about putting the two of them together in an England team? Um, you know, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, a, what a pairing they could be. But, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Jack's got increased uh, competition with Foden returning back to the squad, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. that, that's, not gonna, that's certainly not going to help him. Obviously, Greenwood's not involved again. Um I just think I just think Jack's got to play. I mean, you know, for me, I watch him every week. I've done for years. Um, I'm not biased in saying this now. You know, I I just know how brilliant he is. I absolutely love watching him, and I want to see him playing for the country as well every week because I know that he will make a difference. I know that he's got better qualities that no other player in that squad has got, and. Give him that trip, give him that game, and and he'll go and play. And, and certainly against Ireland, you know, I feel um, that'd be a lovely, you know, really ideal game for him to to go and show what he's got. Um, announce himself to the back to the country again and show, you know, because you remember the last game, he wasn't playing, and and that's what everybody was talking about. The whole country was talking about why isn't Jack Grealish playing? And it's not just us in Birmingham now. No, no, um, you know, it's the whole country realise how strong. good he is. Yeah. Yeah, the penny's dropped, and that's why that's why I touched on last uh, last few shows. Like the you know world football now knows who he is, and and um, and other fans and other pundits, and um, it's it, it it's becoming a little bit silly now. The whole Southgate Grealish thing it's becoming it's becoming a a bigger story than the actual than the actual games uh, yeah. themselves. But I just think with Jack, like, there's not really much more you can say about him, like. He's just he's just another level. He's another level of, of, of talent and he's getting better and better and um it's uh yeah, there's not much more you can say on that because he week in, week out, he's he's a nine out of ten. Because he's gonna play sorry, yeah, sorry, Dan. No, I think no. the most the most impressive thing about him is that um 
is the way that he improves, like you know, month after month, season after season. He just gets better every single season. And you look at it from about 2017, he's just gone on this upward curve, all you know, and it's not it's not stopping. Again, he's He's taken his game to a new level, as you mentioned, with all those stats. Um, you know, remember the time when people used to laugh and say, oh, Jack Grealish isn't good enough. He doesn't score or um, set up enough goals. Do you, you know, do you remember that? And look, every yeah. time somebody says something about him, he goes and proves them wrong and, and takes his game to a next level. And yeah, you know, it was great that he signed the extension here at Villa because admittedly I was writing for a long time that he was going to move because I really expected him to. And I think there will be a lot of top six clubs now who are all below Villa or the majority of them are at the moment. Um, and they'll be looking at, they'll be looking at it thinking we should have paid the money for him. We should have gone for him because as, as Dolan said, um, he's the best attacker in, in the Premier League at the moment. Obviously like this yeah, is but... all relative Dan, sorry, but we don't want to lose him. Obviously like we would never want to lose him, but you can almost see one of the big clubs in Europe, like a Madrid or a Barcelona or Atletico Madrid, coming in for him. And, and if and you know, and if those kind of clubs come in for him, then you know you're looking at kind of Gareth Bale money in terms of 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 what he means to us and how precious he is to us. And I, I don't think anybody in the Premier League can afford him. I, I honestly think I who you know it's going to be tough. Um, the, the only club that really that really seemed to spend silly money on transfers are United and City, but. Um, but with with this with what's going on at United, it doesn't seem to be a very happy camp. But I, I could see one of the big, I could see the big the big clubs in Europe. I could see Bayern Munich, Madrid, Barcelona, Athletic Madrid. I could see someone in, in Europe coming in, and if they come in, you're going. You're, I think his transfer fees now surpassed the hundred million mark. Probably if he carries on, if he has another season like he's like he had last season, his numbers are stacking up and stacking up, and it's only what six games in. You're, you're looking. You're looking from what we thought we would have been seventy-five to eighty million to 100, 100, 100 million pound plus footballer on our hands, which is again quite incredible. I mean, I think you're looking at he was an eighty million pound footballer with, with three years left on his contract. Like you say, I think he's a hundred million pound footballer with five years left on his contract. It would take a hell of a lot for someone to come and prize him away from Villa now. But Greg, you mentioned Foden being in the England squad and that doesn't do him any favours. And and I agree, it it probably doesn't. And and it's annoying because for me, he's as good as Foden, but Southgate likes Foden. He won't play Jack in the middle. It is what he is. The only game I can see Jack starting is is that Ireland friendly, because I think in a competitive game, Jack is up against Rashford and, and Sterling and Sancho and rightly or wrongly, he simply isn't going to start ahead of them in the wide positions under Southgate. Yeah, I mean, I have to be. I do like the sound of that that front three. You know, uh, Sterling, Rashford, and and Sancho. And you know, Rashford's found a little bit of form, hasn't he, in in the last few weeks? Um, I, I like the sound of that three because it's 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 they're all very quick. Um, could could seriously hurt opponents. But for me, I, I don't know which one of the three I would take out. But I'd still always try and find a way in in, in for Grealish for me. You know, it's it's just. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like he offers something different, you know, that weight of pass that, that he can set up, that can set up someone else, you know, Harry Kane almost. Um, uh, you know, I think Harry Kane would, would absolutely love to to work with him. I think he'll get so many goals. Um, you know, Vardy as well, if only Vardy was, was still available for England, I think he'd love to play with Jack Grealish as well. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I, we're having this we're having this conversation like every time England are playing, aren't we? And I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again. But every time a new round of England games come, 
Jack's even better or he's done even more than he has yeah. in the previous week. So he's just strengthening his case all the time. And if Gareth Southgate has got an issue with him and the longer this goes on, the more we feel like the, the must be, um, sooner or later, he's just got to get over it and play him because, um, you know, it's going to be to the detriment of the team if he doesn't. Yeah, we should probably move away from the Loot Live Lounge England special now, but it is a good <laughs> chance to say you can get 20% off almost anything at loot1977.com. If you just use the code TVV20, as I say, you'll get 20% off most things on the Luke store. So go on and treat yourself, and it helps the Villa View out a little bit as well. On to the Arsenal game now. Dolan, very, very important. Obviously, we've won four games in a row. We've now lost two in a row. Vital that that doesn't suddenly become three in a row, isn't it? Yeah, and you, you look at the next batch of fixtures, and you know they're tough. They're, I mean, they're all tough, but you, you know you can so easily get dragged into you can so easily get dragged into um, runs of defeats, and three, two become three, three become four, and, and all of a sudden your you know your your good starts completely wasted, and um, you find yourself back to square one. But um, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. I think they were getting beaten tonight uh, at home. I were that. Uh, one time I looked, yeah. Mm. I had a look at the team. No, they weren't playing like their 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 front two. They didn't have a bad man or or like but it was still quite a strong. It was it was quite a strong um, team apart from the uh, the front two. But um, I don't know. Maybe teams like Arsenal might suit us. You know. Yeah, maybe I think it will. Teams that play a certain way, um, that play football uh, in the way they do, might might suit us with the way we're playing at the minute. Um, and how we want to play and, and the style that we want to uh, adopt. But, uh, you know, and to be fair, we've got not a, not a bad record against Arsenal. Um, you know, you look back, I think that, that was the game that changed that changed the fortunes. That was the game that changed the fortune and the game that ultimately kept us uh, in, in the Premier League. And um, it'll, be, it'll be a big game. It'll be a big game for Martinez as well. I think, you know, to go back to Arsenal so quickly after leaving, um, he'll want he'll to prove a point massively. Um, and you know, big pitch at the Emirates, no fans. Um, I've just heard it's actually they're, they're winning three. Yeah. Uh, there you go, that didn't last long. Um, big pitch, you know, lovely pitch, no fans, you know, no real pressure and from the crowd on in that point of view. Listen, you know, we, we should have won there last season, we probably should have done double over Arsenal last season, and yeah. Uh, um, we were we were brilliant for 60 minutes of that game uh, against Arsenal uh, last year at the Emirates and and um, and ultimately that 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 defeat really hurt. Um, but you just don't know what Arsenal team are going to turn up because they seem to be quite hot, you know, quite hot and cold. I mean, Leicester did a job on them and then they go and beat United one 0 um, They've got a few you know mixed mixed results, so it'll be tough. Um, but I just want to stop. I just want to stop. I want to stop the rot. You know, I want to uh, uh, just give me a point. I'll take an L. Yeah. I'll take a one off. Just stop, stop the streak, and I'll be happy. Yeah, we seem to win or lose at the moment, and not any draws flowing around. Dolan just alluded to Arsenal being a bit Jekyll and Hyde. I watched them last week against Man U, and they looked really, really solid at the back. I thought their new new defender Gabriel had a great game up at Old Trafford, Greg. What kind of game do you think it will be? And do you think it will suit Villa? Because the game we demolished Liverpool, we got to play on the break. And you, you feel like this might be one where we could utilise the break as well. Because the, the onus won't be on us to play on the front foot. It will be on Arsenal. 
Yeah, the onus will be on Arsenal. Um, I've watched quite a few of their games this season. As you say, Gabriel's done well in, in the games I've watched him. Um, I feel like they've just been able to get the job done against the so-called lesser lights of the division. They've, you know, every game they've been expected to win. Pretty sure they've gone and won. Um, so, you know, I'll have to double check that, but um, certainly the early three or four games anyway. Um, I think it'll be a tough game. I think that it, it might benefit Villa. Um, I don't necessarily see, see it being a game where Villa can hit them on the counter-attack. I don't oh, yeah. think it will be that type of game. I'm, I'm looking at who, you know, who can predict what it will be like, but I just don't see it panning out that way. Um, you know, I think Arsenal will probably dominate possession. Um, or, or you know, at least have large spells of possession. And I think it's just a case of Villa being a bit more clinical and ruthless if they get the chances. You know, we, we, uh, the two of you spoke about uh, Trezeguet earlier, and yeah, I agree. You know, he came off the bench last last week and did well, but he had four chances, and if you put one of those away, it's a big difference. So um, Villa just got to be clinical if they do get the chances now. Yeah, I think actually it might be quite a cagey game, a, a low-scoring game. I think Villa obviously off the back of conceding seven goals. I don't think we're going to go out and try and blow them away. I feel like this might be a weekend where we, we go back to basics a little bit defensively. And from watching Arsenal as well, you were so sad. Arsenal would be the team that, that score loads of goals. And again, I'd have to check. But I don't feel like they've been that kind of side this season. They're, they're more likely to win a game 1-0 than, than they are to carried away. So, Dolan, can you see it being quite a cagey affair? Um, I really can't call it, mate, because I say this this league's been thrown up. just such, such you know, bonkers results. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right in saying that they they haven't been massively prolific. Maybe against apart from Fulham in the first day, I think they won three 0 and uh, they were pretty clinical uh, that day. But I think they've 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 either won by a goal or lost by a goal uh, in the majority of their matches this season. So um, will it be cagey? I mean, who knows? Because I think the two really good football sides with some really really good good individual players um, on show and. I think if anything, it should be a really entertaining game, and and um, and that there'll be a lot of quality on show. Um, but you just um, just don't know what kind of villa will turn up. Um, as you say, back to basics. I think we need to. I think we need to get back to the way we were playing the first four games. Um, for some strange reason, we we uh, kind of went off piste quite quite badly there in the last two games, and it's just kind of again so bizarre how you can be so. Uh, solid um, and resolute, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're looking at you're looking at seven goals in in, in sixty five minutes of football or whatever whatever it is, uh, which it, it just again doesn't make any no. any sense. There's no logic to that, which is why it's just going to be one of those crazy seasons. Um, there's been no real logic and no pattern and and no real trend to to the games this season. So um, it should be a good game, but. Um, I, I just want to stop that rot and uh, listen. I'd take a dull like Leicester. I'd have taken a dull nil nil. Uh, I'd, I'd happily take a, a dull nil nil this uh, this weekend for sure. I can, uh, you know, I could see it actually being very similar to the, to the Leicester game. I, I feel like it will be tight like that game. I mean, you look at Bamiang, who's obviously their standout player, such a big deal for them to to get him on a new contract. But he's struggled a little bit for me. It's dangerous for me to say before they're about to play Villa. But oh, in the games I've bad. watched of Arsenal. 
he has struggled and that he scored at the weekend against Manu, but you know, it was, it was a penalty. I think he's only scored two Premier League goals all season, and one of them's a penalty. So they're not firing on all cylinders, and I, and I can see it being, being a close game, but I realise what I've just done there. So absolutely put your house on it and about me. Plus, I took him out my uh, fantasy football team last week, so that definitely means he's going to score. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's got. I mean, I've never seen him score a free <laughs> kick, to be fair, and he scored a free kick against Villa last season at uh, the Emirates as well. So, yeah, we've probably absolutely put the curses on it. Greg, obviously, we're really pleased to have you. I just wanted to talk a little bit to you about what, what it's like trying to cover football at the moment and trying to cover Villa and just these strange times for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange old year, isn't it? You know, that working life is just not normal. Um it's been a it's been a strange year for me, you know. Me and my wife made the decision to uh, look after my look start looking after my granddad when um, at the start of the year in January. You know, he's ninety six years old, so in in a way, lockdown has been quite beneficial to us because it it's meant that we've had a little bit more time with him and we've been able to yeah, look yeah. after him a bit more. And um, you know, obviously, I'm I'm at home all day and I'm working and you know I'm caring for him as well. So that that brings up its challenges, um, but. Yeah, the back end of last year was was a a struggle because obviously, you know, every single game during Project Restart was, you know, incredibly, um, uh, you know, had something riding on it, didn't it? Every single game, you you just, you know, I was going to the game thinking, well, if Villa win today, they've got a chance of staying up. But if they lose today, they're going down. And, you know, when you cover a Premier League team, you desperately want the the team to stay in the league because you've got championship football, you know, the same as you guys. When when you follow the club, you you don't want to be watching uh, championship football the following year. So I add it in that respect. Um, In terms of covering the club, yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, I like to, I'm quite a sociable person. I like to go out and meet people. You know, I have lunches with people and, you know, I like to go and work at coffee shops and grab a coffee with people here and there. You know, I haven't been able to do that much this year. Um, I've missed the interaction around games. Uh, you know, I used to, I made a, quite, a, I got into a nice little habit of getting the train home from London um, after London games and, uh, you know, back end of well, last season. And it was nice to sort of integrate with the supporters and have a few cans on the way back with them and, you know, do my work. And as, as a Villa, uh, yeah, as the Villa reporter, it, I want to speak to as many supporters as I can and, um, did I say as the Villa supporter, as the Villa reporter? Yeah, um, no, he did report, yeah, yeah. Report, yeah. I want to speak to as many supporters as I can, and um, you know, gauge the opinion of the fan base because then I can reflect some of their opinions in the way I report. So um, I'm missing that, you know, I'm missing seeing people in and around the games before and after. It's just a strange old pretty shit world at the moment, but I'm hoping yeah. that it gets better soon. Because even the little things, like you would be going to a press conference once a week to talk to Dave Smith, and now I presume yeah. you're doing that on Zoom or Skype or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, so weird. very, very strange. You know, some, I'd, I'd spend a couple of days at the at the training ground every week. You know, can't remember the last time I went down there. Now it would have been late February, so yeah. you know we're touching on like almost a year, which is bizarre. Um, the good thing, I suppose, about the lockdown is Zoom. You know, that there's a, there's a, you know people have learns that you don't have to be face to face with people and you can still interact you know i think zoom has been a you know a savior for a lot of people and it's it's probably saved a lot of people a lot of time but i love to be face to face with someone i feel like i have a much better rapport with them um you know i can understand them a bit more and yeah you just miss it don't you it's just not the same because press conferences over zoom are very strange believe me (laughs) yeah i mean i mean obviously we were doing the athletic 
face to face in London everywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah. Central London, sometimes me and Dolan afterwards for a beer and whatever. And it's just just none of that now. Every, everything's just remote. So it's it's just such a, a strange, strange time. And it's going to carry on. It, obviously, you're going to be you're you're lucky to be going. I'm saying you're lucky. It's your job, but you know what I mean. You, you're one of the fortunate ones that gets to be in the ground. I'd absolutely kill to be in the ground at the moment. But it feels like you're going to go a whole season without seeing a supporter in the ground. It's just mad. Yeah, it's it's just not it's not the same. Um, I mean, logistically, is the only benefits covering games now. You know, you can get in and out of the stadiums quite quickly. But yeah. to 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 swap that for having no supporters inside, absolutely nowhere. You know, I'll I'll go back to my long match days any day of the week to have supporters and an atmosphere in in that ground and and, and every ground I visit. Um, it's really weird, you know, Nobby Styles passing away and and um, there being a one minute silence ahead of Remembrance Day and. There's nothing stranger, honestly, than being in an empty ground when the referee blows his whistle after that one-minute silence because, you know, that roar, like, from the support the the second after the one-minute silence. And to hear just, like, nothing. Because I'm I'm thinking, you know, maybe even the players will will start revving themselves up, but it's just deadly silent. You can drop a pin in there and hear it, and it's, oh, it's just awful. Um, You know, look, I, I know it's really difficult to get supporters back in, and we've got to... We've got to focus on getting the, the nation healthy again first. That, that of course, is more important. Um, and I can understand why there aren't supporters in, in, in the stadiums because if you have lar- large groups congregating all across the country, it's going to spread this horrible virus. Um, it's just it's just sad, isn't it? You know, it's sad that we miss a whole Premier League season. And there's going to be a team that wins that Premier League without probably without seeing a single game. And, and it's just awful for that set of supporters. Yeah, absolutely horrible. I mean, I don't want to go on about the athletic too much because obviously I'm part of it as well. And it feels like we'll talk about the athletic when, when we're on the athletic. But you're talking about Zooms and stuff like that. Obviously, at the moment, you'll have been doing Zooms with, with ex-Villa players and personnel. Obviously, you've had one with Luke Nillis recently. It was a really, really good story. And I just wanted to to talk about what, what, what that was like to talk to someone like Luke Nillis, who the best player never to apply for Villa, really. Hmm. No, he did play. Yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. Amazing. When it, we 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 interviewed um, Tails, didn't we, Dan? You know, over the the first lockdown, and probably the the player that he bigged up the most was Luke Nillis. You know, he said yeah. that he couldn't believe that Villa had signed a player of this quality. And for probably two years now, I've been trying to get an interview with him, and for various reasons, I haven't been able to. Um, so to finally get him was great, and you know, he was very honest and candid in in his answers and. You know, went went to a really deep dark place after after getting injured um, in that game against Ipswich, and you know, to if you're a footballer and a brilliant footballer like Luke Nillis was, and somebody who played with a smile on his face every day as well, to have that taken away from you and know that you can never play football again, you know, it's heartbreaking, and it really was a struggle for him. So, you know, I thank him for um, going through his story, um, and I thank my bosses as well, really, because if if they didn't give me the time to chase that story um, and the time to, you know, put it all together uh, along with a lot of the other stories that I've done, then I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do these stories. And, you know, my job satisfaction levels are very high at the moment. Obviously thank all the Villa supporters who, um, you know, subscribe to the athletic and, and continue support to support me and provide positive and negative sometimes feedback. You know, it's, it's, it's great. And, Hopefully, the service that we're providing gives give you know give supporters something a little bit different and you know an an insight into what life's like as a footballer. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it was rubbish, but I did really, really enjoy enjoy the Luton in this place, as I have a lot of your work. Just some Villa View admin to finish. Now, I don't know whether you know this, Greg, but the Villa View actually have an online store where we're trying to sh- we're selling some mugs at the moment. Five designs. Have you got? Have you been on and got yourself a mug? I haven't yet. No. Um, am I going to get a personalised one sent to me for my debut appearance tonight, or what? I mean, you have actually been on the Villa View before, Greg, but you've obviously not. not you've obviously not. not, not, not you have a podcast, mate. You're in the podcast boom. You've completely forgot, forgotten about it. So that's a that's a great one. But yeah, we've got some some mugs for sale. If you do go and buy them, the Villa View do make a very small profit, which helps with upgrading our software and boring things like that so yeah if you want to go on the villa view store you can go and check our new mugs and we have got some new designs actually coming soon as well so look out for them before christmas also if you've been keeping your eye on our social media recently we have got some fanatics and football manager discount codes as well so if you do fancy some new villa gear keep an eye on our new code that will be coming in the next couple of weeks and also football manager 2021 something that i'm definitely going to buy we do have an offer on that at the moment as well Final bit of boring admin is the prediction show that we've been doing on Instagram. We decided to change it up a little bit because, quite frankly, Dolan and myself weren't doing very well at it. At it, So we've called it now the Villa View versus you. I think we had three people making predictions against us on videos on Instagram TV last week. And I came out on top with a seven point to five victory, which is great. I got one score bang on, which really boosted my point. So if you do want to get involved in that, again, have a look on our social media and you'll be able to get involved and see yourself on the Villa Views Instagram television. I think it's Dolan's turn this week. He's trying to get out of it, but absolutely no way. Am I going to let him miss his turn of doing his predictions against the Villa View? Get them them done straight (laughs) after the show while you've got all your gear out, mate. Final one is just to say that we've obviously got the post-match point on Sunday at 9.15 after the Arsenal game. So we'll be on live with special guests to talk about the Villa game at the Emirates. Need to that. You know? I mean, I've sorted out one guest so far. I have to... I do it day by day, mate. So Max Stokes from Villa on tour is going to come on and join us and we'll get a couple of other supporters on as well. So that'll be good to chew the fat after the Arsenal game with Max. Nothing else to do except to say thanks to Greg for joining us and thanks as always to Mr Happy Dolan as well, Mr Positive. <laughs> good to see you as well. Rascal hoodie. Good to see you, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Dolan. Nice yeah. one, mate. Good to see you too, boys. We'll be back with a little live lounge next week as well. Thankfully, pay-per-view is no longer going to be a thing after the Arsenal game as well. So that's a great bit of news that we've received today. One thing left to say, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.